There's an old saying in real estate that good deals are found, but great deals are made. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to the podcast, y'all, and hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. So let's get this right out of the way. So I've had an awful lot of messages and things that have come to me over the past couple of weeks. Um, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Now, some of you might be going, Russell, what are you going to be talking about here? I don't know what you're talking about already, but last week I did not have an episode. So that was the first time in... No. Hello, Scooby. Did you want out? Hmm? Come here. Did you want to say hi to everybody on the podcast? I got a little visitor in here today. Scooby is keeping me company and he's looking at the door like he wants to go out. Sometimes when daddy gets into um, broadcast mode, he uh, <laughs> he gets a little bit nervous and wants to leave the room. So Scooby, come here. Hang on. Come here, buddy. Come, come here. I want to say hi. Come say hi. He's my special little buddy. He keeps me company when I'm doing all these recordings and everything like that. So, so Scooby, you do realize that there's a big show going on here. There's a podcast, episode number 88, and I'm just about to tell everybody on how I did not put out an episode last week, and I was about to, you know, say that there is no excuse and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So, Scooby, just make sure, you know, I hold Daddy accountable to getting out these episodes. Okay, guys, so just FYI, I did not get an episode last week, and that was the first time in since I started in literally, you know, 87 episodes that I did not get an episode out on the week and on a weekly basis. So no excuse, just didn't get her done. There was a lot of things on the go, but I've got uh, quite a few more in the can. I'm done to the end of the year and also starting to book next year's episodes out already at the same time. So uh, first of all, Thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you all for your notes of concern. Everything is going okay. Everything's all right. And now here's the thing I want to share with you is, oh, just hang on a sec. I do have to let Scooby out. Give me one second. All right, we're back. So Scooby has now left the building. Scooby has left the building. So here's the lesson I want to offer to you guys as well. So first of all, I wanted to recap. I wanted to thank everybody for the notes. I had at least a dozen people reach out to me that, Russell, you've ruined my Tuesday morning. I look forward every Tuesday of having an episode drop onto my podcast player and all that kind of stuff. So first of all, thank you. I'm honored that you listen. The The lesson I want to share with you is as follows, is are you consistent in your content production? Are you consistent in your podcasts that you deliver? Are you consistent in your YouTube videos? Are you consistent in your blog posts, your social media posts? Are you consistent on a weekly, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, once a year, whatever you commit to, be consistent on that. Because once you start posting things and people start having an expectation of that content coming out, if you actually miss something, people will notice. And that's when you know you've started making a pivot into creating content that people want to consume on a regular basis. It's part of their day. It's part of their habits. It's part of their Tuesday morning ritual of coffee and podcast. It's all part of what they're doing and people are looking forward to hearing from you. So I'm encouraging everyone who's listening to this, if you are getting into the world of communicating and sharing your message out with the world, 
get into a routine, get into a consistency, get into a process and a workflow that you can be very consistent in your delivery, consistent in your communication, consistent in your distribution to the point that people are sending you emails and text messages wondering if you actually missed a day. Okay, so very key lesson for everybody to move forward. All right, so I'm going to keep this one fairly tight. Guys, I've dipped into the Wayback Time Machine here from a couple years ago of an interview that I did uh, standing on the shoulders of Giants interview. And this one's with Travis McConaughey. Travis is a fantastic real estate investor out of uh, Saskatchewan. Travis lives in the Melford area. I just had to make sure I got my geograph because he's all over the place. He's either in Regina or Saskatoon or Melford or northern Saskatchewan. He's all over the place. But he's just a wonderful investor. And he is slowly buying up all of small town Saskatchewan uh, along the way. And he's he's a fantastic, consistent real estate investor that just chugs out properties. He just buys properties. Like when we did this recording of this one, to date at that time, when we did this recording, it's when we can, you know, travel and when we could get together and all that fun stuff. This was before an event that I was presenting in Saskatoon. He had purchased over 200 properties at that time. And he had had a tear of for seven years that he had bought on average, a property a month. Now, I believe that number is now up to 10 plus years on average. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like every month is a property, but essentially over the course of time, it's like, you know, all these properties, when you kind of spread it out, it works out to more than a property a month for more than 10 years, which is incredible. And Travis is what I would call a transaction engineer, where he takes something that most people might not see as an opportunity, and he has a really cool business model and a really cool process that he turns average properties into absolute home run properties. All right. And so in this one, just as a couple quick things that we're going to, that Travis and I do cover, it's three parts coming out to you on a, a Tuesday, Friday, and then the Tuesday after. And then I have a year in review episode that I'm recording that will be delivered uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Okay. So this is coming out. If you're listening to this after the fact, obviously this came out in December of 2021. All right. So a couple of things Travis and I talk about is, you know, how he was able to buy a property a month for seven plus years, how he built more than two, a portfolio, more 200 properties. And he did it like literally one property at a time, how to find that hidden value within your properties. And then more importantly, how do you add the values and how do you monetize that as well? How do you pitch to investment partners without ever having a pitch package? The power of story, how joint ventures work. And he he actually takes a really cool story in here and how he shares on joint venturing from a farming perspective, if you will. Some things about learning art, the art of skills, transitioning to multifamilies, how Travis structures his deals, becoming a professional problem solver, how his investors are begging him for more deals, the challenge of growth and scaling. <laughs> like To be able to do that kind of volume in that time frame, you have to have some systems in place. And really, at the end of the day, we, we really go into the last episode where we talk about living life on your terms. What does that mean? And some final messages from Travis. Now, whew, this one's a deep one, guys. This one is a, a very deep episode that I would love for you that you probably will come back to this one many, many times. 
They will be taking lots of notes. So if you're maybe driving or on the treadmill or riding your bike or something out there right now of this, you may want to revisit this one again and come back to it and take tons of notes, listen to it many times because it is that deep and we go into that many different layers of um, real estate and life, growing a business and building out a massive portfolio, if you will. All right. No, before I run off and before we get uh, Travis on here, I just want to mention you one thing. Thank you for everybody who participated in during the Thomas Beyer four-part interview series. I had 17 books that I had bought from Thomas and I was cleaning out my garage. I had 17 books. I think there was uh, 14 of you that submitted your reviews and sent me your information to send you out a book. Those books have all been sent out. For those of you, the the lucky 14, you got that. But here's the message I'm going to share with you, which means if my sixth grade Saskatchewan education is holding true here. Now, I do have a grade 12. I do. I took grade six twice. Oh, hang on. Wait for it. So, yeah, I guess it's not a good joke when you start having to laugh at your own jokes or having to explain it. Anyways, here's what I want to say. I have three books remaining of Thomas Byers' 80 Lessons Learned. So that if you're listening to this or maybe you listened to it originally and said, oh, those books are probably gone, I have three left. So the first three people that submit a review on Apple Podcasts that take a screenshot of it, send me a note to hello at russellwestcott.com with your address. I will send you out those three. Now, if I get more than three, I will probably end up just buying you a book anyways. But I do have three and I want to reward the, the first lucky three with a book. Okay, guys, with all that being said, please enjoy part one of this three-part interview with Mr. Travis McGonaghy. Hey guys, Russell Westcott here. First of all, this is Travis. Travis, good to see you. Great to see you as well. Congratulations. You just got married. Yeah, it's super exciting. Super excited. How long is, well, you know, we're going to date ourselves in this interview by that, but but how long has marital bliss been for you so far? I've been married now for about three weeks. Three weeks. So so your your honeymoon (laughs) was probably to a rental place to do a renovation, to go buy some more properties, all kind of stuff like that. Do you have a honeymoon plan? Uh, we will have a honeymoon planned. I actually have family living in Germany, yeah. so they were over, so I stayed. Um, I plan to go sailing, likely in Greece, in a month or two. Oh, uh, you know, if this marriage thing doesn't work out, you can always take take me <laughs> over there. It's going to be awesome. I want to fill a sailboat and bring all investor group and everybody. You heard it right now. We're gonna we're actually going to date this. It is what is it to the nineteenth of July, twenty eighteen. As an invitation that Travis is putting out to everyone potentially who's still an investor fifteen years from now, maybe, maybe. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So Travis. I think there'd be a lot of people who will know you if throughout the rain community, but there's actually a lot of people doing these, watching these interviews that uh, don't belong to the, the Real Estate Investment Network, which is a fantastic organization. I recommend everybody should probably be a part of that. You never can go wrong educating yourself, ever, bar none, whatever you can get to educate yourself, better yourself, do it. But you're a guy in the community of real estate investors that you were kind of under the radar for quite a while. And I think you're now getting way above the radar. And some of the things you're doing is just phenomenal. Yeah, so it's been quite a ride. I it's been quite that. a ride. So <laughs> that's why we're having this interview. We're going to share Travis with the world. I hope you're okay with that. I, I guess I should ask your, your brand new wife with about that one. 
Yeah, Jackie will be okay. Okay, so I haven't met your your lovely wife, but I have a feeling you probably joined the club of marrying up in the world. And yeah, she just then, finished her master's of leadership. Yes. So I feel undereducated now. Yeah, and I have to pass this along from my lovely wife. I remember you and Kareen were having a conversation and you were telling her you were looking for someone to marry, weren't you? Yeah. And her first comment when I said, you know what, Travis just got married. She goes, yes, he (laughs) finally, that has been a few years. Took 42 years pretty much to find the right person. To finally someone that, you know, you found worthy of, has she taken your name? Yes, she did. Oh, good. Nice. Nice. So, so exciting. New adventure begins. A new adventure begins. So congratulations. Thank you. I usually start a lot of these conversations and we, that's what it is. We're having a conversation. Just lo and behold, there's three cameras here. So don't get freaked <laughs> out. And there's, you know, I'm putting it out there. There's hundreds of thousands of people watching. So I'm just putting that out there. But I always like to start with a little bit of context about, you know, who you are, you know, maybe where you came from. I know a little bit of your backstory, but every person I've been interviewing, I actually learn more about. And I, that's my favorite part is learning about who you are. So maybe just share with the audience of people watching who is Travis McGonaghy and where are you from and what you're all about. And then we'll start the conversation there. So I could call myself a, you know, humble farmer. And for many years I was a farmer. So I grew up in the town of Beattie, Saskatchewan. Beattie. Beattie. Okay. Population, maybe about 50 right now. 50. Okay. (laughs) Um, I was on a farm. We're about 15 miles from Milford and that's Northeast Saskatchewan. Yes. So hour and a half from Saskatoon. So we're fairly remote. But we're in a very great farming area, and my grandfather had traveled around the province and lived in three or four places and decided on Milford. And we have the highest assessed value of land in the area we live in, grow great crops, have high-capacity terminals. So it's great for what I was doing, which was farming. Was. So, yeah. And, And we're saying was farming. So I farmed for basically my whole life until I, you know, shifted gears, did a joint venture and um, shifted into real estate. So growing up on the farm, um, started buying land really early on. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, when I was in high school, my brothers and I both bought land or all bought land. And from there, we, I kept buying land pretty much every year up until about 2012. So grew a large, successful grain farm. Mm -hmm. Interesting time to be farming as well, because all the technology changed, all the farming methods changed. More happened in 10 years than the previous 100 before that. So it was very, very dramatic. So we grew a very successful, very profitable, well-run business. And at some point I realized it would be great for my parents to retire and I could shift gears. And farming is challenging because you can't necessarily control many things with the farm. You can control your cash. As far as paying for inputs, paying for um, machinery, you can't control the weather. You can't control every year we are getting hit with, you know, a drought, a frost, a hail, bugs, low grain prices, things completely crazy. And I said, I'd like to be in a business that I can sort of determine my outcome. Yep. But also I was sort of tied to the farm. So being farming, you can't go to the lake in the summer. You can't do the things Mm. you want. You can curl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So farming is great in many ways, but, you know, it's, it's challenging. And I just said I want to mitigate a number of my risks mm-hmm. and do something different. Not that, you know, real estate's easy, but, you know, just changing my life. And it's, right. it's been interesting. So do you still own the farms? So, yes. Um, I you farm- still own the land? Yeah. So I farmed with my parents. Yeah. And, you know, we, we entered into a joint venture with another person. Yeah. 
and he brings a number of components to the table as we do. Yep. And at the end of the year, um, the accountants, lawyers sort it all out. And, you know, I'm still actually a happy farmer. So you essentially, you have the land and he works the land. Correct. And you guys almost do like a split of everything that's done there in certain yeah. right. And well, yeah. geez, lo and behold, that sounds very familiar to a joint venture in a piece of real estate. Yeah. Someone has the asset, someone does the work, and you know, you, you, you all bring something to the table. Right. And you were sharing something with me that, you know, it that's another way of passive income for you. That you oh, it's, actually it's been great. you actually that covers all your expenses and this real estate thing's kind of a hobby. Yeah. So when I started buying real estate, I never needed the money and I never have needed the money from what I do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, that's the major hurdle to becoming a full-time investor. Mm -hmm. They need something to fund their life. And yeah. I didn't need that. I had that. So this has just been sort of a game. It's yeah. monopoly in real life and I'm, I'm loving it. So you're just the owner. You own the land. You're the yeah. lord of the land, yeah. if you will, and and the people coming in, in 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 essence, a business partner, and they do all the work and farm, and gives you time and freedom to go out and do the other things. Yeah, and it's it's mm. been amazing actually. So yeah. yeah, that's my first joint venture. Nice, and that <laughs> well, lo and behold, it's funny how a lot of people's upbringings in these interviews I've been doing, a lot of people's background, careers, and things like that. How a lot of these things is actually supported. What, what you were doing before. And I bet your presentation has a lot to do when you're talking with people about raising capital. You probably talk a lot about, you know, it's no different than if I own the land and you did the work and, you know, it's a successful yeah. relationship. Yeah, well, it's quite interesting because I've never actively pursued raising capital. <laughs> I've had all the people that I work with, they came to me. I didn't mm -hmm. seek them out and I didn't need any of them. Yeah. I've had enough money to fund deals. So, it was quite interesting. And I said, you know, if we can work together, maybe we can both win. And yeah. and it's been really good. And yeah. So we were just comparing notes. It's <laughs> funny. Two guys from Sketch and all of us come together. And, and uh, Travis and I were talking about our backstories a little bit. We know each other. We've known each other for a long time. But uh, you bought your first place in what year did you buy it in? In 2000. In 2000. And Travis goes, I beat you. I was 2002, <laughs> I think. And so from that first place, uh, talk to me about the first place. And then we'll, we'll take the next step from there. What was it? Where was it? What kind of thing? So we'll back up one yeah. little stage. So okay. I, I finished, I went to university after high school yeah. and I finished my first degree. So it's um, agriculture economics. Well, everybody goes to U of S to go to the yeah. ag school, go to the yeah. ag bag drag. And then, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you get your ring. I got a yeah. nice university ring. Yeah. And, and, I, and I loved university. Yeah. I loved it so much. I actually went back and did a second degree. So I finished mm -hmm. a Bachelor of Commerce in 2000. Yeah. So I said, I want to do something more in the winter. And we had an active travel business as mm -hmm. well. So the travel business was going, our farm was going, but I was still looking for more. And what more could I do? So I bought a suited house and I took the... House with one suite, I made two, and that became my first triplex, per se. Right. In, in whereabouts? In Milford, Saskatchewan. In Milford, yeah. Uh, what did you pay for it? So it was $70,500. $70,500 for the whole house? That wasn't a down payment? That was the whole house. Okay. $10,000 yeah. down, and I had to scrape hard to find the ten grand. Yeah. Because I was a poor student. Yes. So we spent, I, I guess I spent a total of 80000 on the house. Okay. And it produced, you know, maybe $1,200 at the time. Not right, a in lot. rent, in total gross rent. Yeah, yeah. compared to today, maybe twenty one hundred. Right. Well, twelve hundred on only an eighty thousand dollar asset value is pretty good. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it turned out okay. Yeah. The next winter, I did the same thing. I made a suite in a another house, and that one didn't turn out so well. Mm -hmm. um, we had problems structurally with the house. I didn't know much about that, and it gave me a real bad taste. So I actually didn't do much until about two thousand 
six. And in, in six, I built a primary residence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually did it, did it with cash. Right. But the old fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and by the time 06 rolled around, that other house being bought in 2000, it had actually paid for itself. Just, more with, or just less. with the rent. Just with the rent. Right. And it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. So I refinanced it. Yep. And half of my payment for my new house came from my rental property. Right. So a lot cool. of people think that, you know, in small towns, you, you can't make it work. We're still going to continue the story because not only have it kind of work, you've <laughs> actually created a, a mini empire here at the, going forward. But there are some downsides and there's some upsides and things like that. Hey, everybody. I'm sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause to today's show and share with you a key real estate team member to help you grow your real estate portfolio. When it comes to funding your income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to your financing. In order to grow, you will need access to capital. And if you're feeling like you've hit the wall with mortgage qualification, I'd encourage you to speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They've helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also brand new investors get into the game of real estate investing. Book a time with them to have a custom-created financing roadmap. On top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the best 18 Ontario markets to invest your money. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, please email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll be a link in the show notes below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Now back to the show. And, you know, doing very, very well run tours. So it's um, senior, senior bus tours in North America, internationally, and cruises. Okay. So in the winter, I was traveling the world and sort of going ahead of groups, figuring out where we may go. So I've seen a lot of the world, not necessarily bringing groups, but on my own, figuring out where to bring people. Right. So we were doing that in 2007. I got my hands dirty. I built an office for a tour company, okay. and we grew our tour business. So we actually were, we became a large, um, larger than CAA in Saskatchewan selling trips, wow. which is kind of cool. I, I never knew that. That's, My that's dad really was cool. chartering um, 737s. <laughs> so this is out of a small farmhouse yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So, mostly Saskatchewan people or was it kind of a, your audience? It's was basically Saskatchewan. Basically, wow. So, so the spirit of entrepreneurism yeah. in my family is, is deep. Right. So, you know, we had the farm, but then we had this travel business. So I was involved in there and, and growing we were growing that business as well. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to 2010, and I picked up a cheap little house. It was actually 23,000. 23 grand. Okay. Went into the realtor to, you know, to do some fundraising and yeah. ended up walking out owning a house. Okay. And so that was in January of 2010. And I took a couple sort of introductory, the guys that travel around from the US and they're selling mm-hmm. real estate packages. So I signed up for a seminar. It was three days. Yeah. And, um, just before that I'd gotten a friend of mine had, and myself had been talking, we decided, okay, let's incorporate a company mm-hmm. and, um, see where we can go. So we had no money, we had credit and just about no experience, even right. though I'd done a few places. And you had the credit cause your business was doing okay, but it was all tied up in the business. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't funding my growth of my residential real estate business with the farm. Okay. It was a side, I had all kinds of ability to get credit. Yeah. So we actually started, I guess, in March of that year, we picked up a fourplex and I didn't know how to do it. My friend said, what about same, same area? 
Melford? So the fourplex yep. was in Melford. Okay. So I refinanced my first rental property, bought another little house a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. And it was sitting there and I just paid cash for it. So I actually put a put a mortgage on it. He put a mortgage on a little house he owned. Yep. We had a hundred grand of cash. Yep. And we bought seven units and a flip house on day one with that business with right. actually not having any cash. Right. So essentially you refinance something else yeah. to parlay that into another opportunity. Okay. Yeah. So fast yep. forward, that small business turned into 14 doors with no money. 14 doors, which is that first seed capital, really. And you just yeah. kept refinancing and pulling out capital and just kept growing it, right? Yeah. So at one point, he actually had been living overseas, working in Canary Wharf in London, mm-hmm. and he didn't have ability to get credit. Okay. So we basically sold that business that couldn't go anywhere. And it wasn't that I had a bad person. It's that it's restrictions. Yeah. So I set up my own company and I started growing that simultaneously. Yep. Yeah. So with that partner, you were 14, you said 14-ish? Yeah, I got to 14. 14, and you had a few on your own. So that was 2006, 2007? Uh, this is 2010 to 2010, 2012. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it okay. started growing. Yeah. So, but it's actually taken another leap just recently again, yeah. hasn't So we're now 2010, yeah, 2012. So, so yeah. this is interesting. Yeah. So, you know, my friend and I, you know, and we're still friends, he grew, he could get credit and he started yeah. buying more on his own. And he said, you know, I'll sell you the share of the business. So I actually bought out that business and I merged it with my other company. Mm-hmm. And so that's about 2012, 13. Okay. And it was right around the same time I decided to go to a RAIN meeting. Right. And it's this interesting correlation because I'd grown my business, but I was stuck and I didn't really have money. I wasn't taking money out of the farm, mm-hmm. didn't know how to get ahead. And I decided I'd read the, the book, Real Estate Investing in Canada by Don Campbell. Mm-hmm. And didn't know much about it. And I saw that they do these monthly meetings. I Googled it. And so I actually hopped on a plane, flew to Calgary just for a one night meeting. Yep. So that's a two hour drive to Saskatoon, a flight to Calgary, a two or three hour meeting. And then I flew back. I think maybe the next morning. Yeah. And so we had a, you know, another farming season. So that's the summer of 12. And in the fall, I went to an acre program. And all of a sudden I realized what I wasn't doing. I realized I needed more education and leaving Acre. I had so many things I wanted to do and I didn't know how to do them. Right. And one of them, a 12-suite apartment building had came open or came for sale and I wanted to buy it. And I was driving my truck and I remember leaving Edmonton. And by the time I hit Lloyd Minster, so we're about a two-hour drive. Yep. I knew exactly how I was going to buy that building. Yep. So the next morning, so this is a Monday morning, I phoned up the realtor and, and they actually had a conditional offer on the building. And I was like, oh, Hmm. I so knew how to do it. And it's my first, you know, big multifamily. And yep. this would have been awesome. Yeah. So interestingly, as one door closed, another opened. And an eight suite came open and a fourplex. And I bought them both. All in the Melford area still. Yeah. 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 So I ended up closing my 12 doors. So this is um, late 2012. Yeah. So fast forward. So you know, we're now up to like 30, give or take, 28, 30. Yeah, probably yeah. in a little over 30. Then. Little 30. Okay. I said, this is interesting. Yeah. So it actually started by... Nice little part-time hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, when I was farming, I actually had five full-time staff on. Okay. And I was still farming. And we had our full complement of staff running a large grain farm. Yeah. Two lines of equipment, lots of acres, and, you know, like running a very, very... Treated like a business. Yeah. yeah. So I had two businesses. And one was my secondary business, which actually got really large, and my primary business of the farm. What about the travel company? Was it still... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... So at the same time, we, were, we had been running our travel business, and we were doing about 1,800 clients a year um, all over the world. 
And I was on the road for about a month of the year doing sales meetings. Got very, very good at sales. Yeah. Um, we just had a great product and repeat customers. And we brought them what they needed. And our prices were extremely competitive. And everybody won. Just a big, happy family. Right. Our well, motto was... It's the Saskatchewan yeah. way. <laughs> so yeah, our motto was live the dream. Yeah. And that's actually the same motto that Don Campbell has, live the dream or live mm-hmm. your dream. Yeah. yeah. And I said, I want to live my dream. So sort of the next thing that happened, I was working so hard and not much free time, still single, you know, wanted to have a family, wanted to have kids, but this wasn't really getting me where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, how do I change that? And at the time, my father was 71 years old. Our other employees that were also very long-term were, you know, around the same age. And I said, something's got to change. And I could either keep growing, um, hire more people, keep growing the farm and really not have a time for myself, or I could change my life. And I said, it's not so bad to shift gears. And we entered into a joint venture, like I was mentioning Mm -hmm. with our farm. Yep. And I went full-time into real estate. Right. (laughs) So you just did all that part-time. Yeah. So in 2013, I, you know, we, we did a couple houses. We moved in, put Mm -hmm. basements on them. Did a couple more fixer uppers and rent. Well, one of the models at that time you were doing a lot was you would take houses out of on the farm. You would take houses and then you would bring them into town and you'd put put them on foundations and put suites and stuff like that. Wasn't that one of the models <laughs> that you were doing? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. so this was interesting. So I guess I didn't mention the story, but we'll go back to 2003. And I had closed the farm. It had two houses on it. Yeah. And um, one of those houses, an acreage, I subdivided an acreage from the farm. And if you subdivide an acreage with two houses, you're basically not getting paid for the one house in small town. So I said, okay, I want to do something with the other house. So 70s bungalow, I picked up the house and I loaded on a truck and we brought it into town. We set it down and yeah, I thought, okay, I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to do a flip house. (laughs) Yeah, literally, you picked it up and you're going to flip it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we probably put 2000 hours of work in and I didn't lose money. I made $644. Myself and our farm person, neither of us were paid. But what I did learn is how to wire, how to plumb, how to hang board, how to frame, and all the nuances with moving a house, rebuilding a house, structure, plumbing, and systems. So a really expensive lesson time-wise. but Tuition. Absolutely invaluable. So all of a sudden, I like knew how to do everything. And then fast forward to when I built my house a few years later, it was golden. I yeah. knew exactly what to do. Right. So amazing. So, so fast forward, we get into 2010, and I took this course, started buying houses. Mm-hmm. So in March of that year, I, I actually have averaged a house every month for seven years. For seven, oh, you beat my track record that I, was, I had it for five years. I did a property <laughs> a month. Then this guy, overachiever. So, and it might be two or three now. Like <laughs> it's, it's actually nice. on a roll. Nice. I don't know where I'm at because it's not really about the numbers. Ballpark, where are you at? We're north of 200 doors. North of 200 doors. And you're just closing on an apartment building here very shortly, start of August. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's actually, you know, we mentioned apartments and mm-hmm. I sat down with my girlfriend at the time and she said, this was January of 2017, so a year and a half ago. And, and I said, you know, I'd like to own two apartment buildings yep. around Saskatoon in the short term. And the short term is like one to two years. Mm-hmm. So ironically, the next morning, um, a Rain member, of, Rain member friend of mine um, sent me an email and I checked it. And I actually ended up buying a 12-suite apartment building mm-hmm. um, over my mobile phone the next morning. <laughs> and it was a foreclosure auction. Um, yeah. 
crazy amount of money. I think I made about 250 grand on the deal. Right. By saying yes and figuring the rest yeah, out. Say yes, figure it out. And, yeah. you know, I didn't have the money, didn't know where it was, um, completely empty, had only maybe been in the town even once in my life. Mm. But I knew it was close to Saskatoon, 30 kilometers out of Saskatoon, yeah. and I closed it. So I, interestingly, fast forward, and now we've landed a second apartment building in Saskatoon. Yeah. So two buildings, you know, within that time period. In between, I closed another five. Wow. So and, and so you're you're continually just out in is it still all most of them in Melfort in that area or have you branched into different markets or yeah, so we'll go back to the moving issue. So I started buying in 2010, 11, 12. And 2012, the market started growing, and basically I couldn't keep growing my business. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, what do I do now? And I'd moved one house, you know, back in the day, and then I'd moved another one when I was farming, so about 2011. And I said, okay, if I move houses, I can actually buy distressed assets extremely cheap. Yeah, that on are the good. farm, that are out yeah. on the farm. And, yeah. In some cases. Some cases and yes. I'll okay. tell you good. more yep. later. Yep. <laughs> and if I pick them up and put them in their highest, best use, I can create a huge amount of equity. So fast forward to 2012, I did one of those. And mm-hmm. I got into 2013 and I moved, I bought one on a foreclosure. So just as an example, the foreclosure is 30, 35,000. Yep. House built in 2002, 1,440 square feet, modular home. Yeah. So we're dealing with a 20 by 72. Yep. Picked it up, moved it. When it was finished, so very, very little work on mm-hmm. a lot. The ARV, so after repaired value yep. of the house, is around 140000 So you're adding, you know, before costs and expenses, you're adding about over 100000 bucks in equity. Yeah, so yeah. it's massive. So. Yeah. So we might have um, spent seventy to eighty thousand getting it ready with a yeah. lot. So you're quote unquote netting or having forty thousand dollars equity built in from day one. Give yeah. or take. So what's cool is yeah. I could create this huge wad of equity, and I yeah. realized, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah. And I didn't really grasp the whole concept until a couple of years later, talking to you know a friend and it's Pierre Paul Turgeon. Yeah. And you know I'll go back to him in a bit, but. It's interesting when you start, it's like, oh, I can create money, but I can also get a mortgage and pull all my money out that I put in. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow. So this, when does this end? Yeah. So that particular summer, I actually did seven of those. Right. And this was like, so I started basically going out to Alberta and finding houses and moving them to Milford. <laughs> and this was sort of crazy. So you literally, you know, the old fashioned way of you, uh, you created the opportunity. Yeah, right. you had the opportunity where you could buy houses at a very distressed price in different areas and smaller towns and things like that. Move them into Melfort, and you actually created your own equity. Yeah, and then you still own them and you rent them and and you have that. Now you refinance and pull all the capital if you've ever put any in, and you just rinse and repeat. Yeah, so, but so but two here's... guys in our in our hair condition, <laughs> our hair style, or yeah, that's a very rare thing for us to say rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is what's actually kind of funny on this. And when you do one and then you do another and another, it's like you start creating systems and you just know what to do and you know who to get and you Mm -hmm. know how the whole thing works. And if you can find a good enough deal, on the back end, you actually have created an extra 30 grand or 20 grand. And what can that 20 grand do? And I realized that 20 grand can actually buy another house. Wow. So boom, one house actually turned into 13 houses that summer. The same money, rinsed and recycled every time. Yeah. Now, if you're creating $300 cash flow off of each of 13 houses, yeah. you don't need a job anymore. Yeah, what is that, 4000 4, bucks a month, give or take? A month. A month, yeah. So one summer, one person, one summer. a very small team. Right. So 
sort of crazy. And I'm like, wow, this is sort of... So as the process grows, you know, I ran out of land in my town. Yeah. So we actually, you know, you figure out ways and I, I got the... That's ironic in Saskatchewan, but... but yeah. <laughs> so I'd found all these random distressed lots. So I go yeah. buy the city lots and then I actually got the city lots that weren't for sale, for sale, bought them all and then filled them. And then the rules changed and I had nowhere to put the homes. So then what? <laughs> So they needed a different style of home. So I, here's Travis with all these yeah. homes in there. I got a home and nowhere to put it. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny when yeah, like the game can be endless, but you know you got to change the game. Yeah. So the rules of the game change, just like the rules of the banks and the rules of. Yeah. So I realized I've always done a lot of education. I was flying to investors forum, yeah. and it's every spring in Toronto. So yeah. I, I flew to investors forum. Um, a guy named Pierre Paul Turgeon, so Canadian multifamily, mm-hmm. former CMHC underwriter. Yeah, he was presenting. We just had a conversation on Sunday. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I realized when he showed his apartment model that if you can decrease your expenses and increase the revenue, depends on the cap rate, but you can you increase the building value yep. massively. And I'm like, wow, this is like super crazy. So what I was doing in single family homes, adding value, could be done in multifamily. Yes. So I plant this idea and I'm like, wow, this is like really crazy and really interesting. And so I'm doing this sort of in single family. So I was buying distressed single family, pulling my money out and also creating money. And if you can, you could also not move a house. You just buy a distressed asset. Yep. I bought a $20,000 house, had it appraised at 164. Mm -hmm. And you spend lots of money, but you you can do very well. Yeah. Wow. So... (laughs) I got to change the cameras yeah. over here Sorry. in a second because this is just crazy. Like you use the word crazy, crazy, crazy many yeah. times. It is. This is just phenomenal. I think this story is quite fascinating and we are going to get to a conversation about raising capital, which okay. we will, but I want to continue this conversation. Okay. So I'm going to just do a real quick reset of the cameras and then we're going to continue. Okay. So we're here with Travis and we're just getting started, guys. <laughs> Hey, so what did you think of part one? So if these uh, end segments bore you and you're just going, ah, Russ, I just want to get to the next one. No problem. It's coming out with only a couple days in between with this one. We're just entering into the holiday season in 2021, and we're going to have a published an episode on this one came out on Tuesday. There's going to be one coming out on Friday, so you don't have to wait too long. But what were your key takeaways? In this episode, we just kind of outlaid some of the um, Travis's background. We outlaid some of what Travis has done, some of his experience, some of the things he's doing. We're just getting warmed up is the the real big message I want to say. We go really deep into this three-part episode. As we've already got deep in this first one, we go even deeper into the next one. So guys, one more reminder, if you are interested in that review contest, I have three more books left to give away, free of charge. I'll pay the shipping. I've bought the books. If you're interested, just leave a review. Send me a screenshot of the review. Send a note to hello at russellwestcott.com, and I'll send you out that book free of charge. Okay, guys, until the next one, make sure you have yourself a wonderful day. The next episode with the three-part interview with Travis is coming up right away. And remember, gang, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. 
Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.